Welcome to Take Your Stand, the podcast of Here I Stand Ministries. I'm your host, Luke Seibert. Let's explore more of what it means to live out the gospel by clinging to the Word and to one another. So here we are at another week, and we're continuing on with our study in 1 Corinthians. Uh, We finished up the introduction, this first nine verses, seeing Paul's foundation that he's laying for the rest of the letter, the points that he's pointed out, how he's he's pointed out that Jesus should be the the center of life, that he should be the most important part of our lives. And we see this through the repetition of his name there and his pronouns and everything that he's done for us and that he is sanctifying us and that we, the, the themes of unity, they're already brought out there. And we've seen the faithfulness of God there in verse 9. Well, continuing on from that, we'll, we'll move now into more of the, the meat or the heart of the letter. And Paul wastes no time getting right down into this and uh, dealing with the main issue. One of the main issues, at least in this first part of the book, is unity within a local church congregation. And we'll see how this flows directly out of what he's already said. And we'll begin reading uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. It says, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you, except Crispus and Gaius so that no one would say you were baptized in my name. Now I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. There's a lot in that passage, and we'll get into some of the latter parts of there that we've ended up there about verse 17, get into some of that more in future weeks. But wanted to really focus upon the first part there, those first few verses beginning in verse 10. And one important thing about Bible study is to pay attention to repeated words or repeated phrases, especially close together. We've seen this about the, the phrase, in Christ, uh, in Christ, in Him, in the those first nine verses, how there's one right after the other, showing that we have to look to Christ and keep our focus upon Him. And so, verse nine says that we've been called into fellowship with God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the very next verse, Paul exhorts us, but exhorts the Corinthians by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's tying what he's about to say directly to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we've been called into fellowship with him by God's grace, by God's mercy, into this special relationship with him. 
and a direct outworking of that should be the unity that should exist within a local congregation. Throughout the New Testament, love among the brethren is a, is a key theme. Jesus said it would even be the proof that we belong to him, would show to the world that we belong to him. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, verses 14, uh, beginning in verses uh, 14 there, and through verses uh, 16, I believe that it, that passage talks about how we can't say that we, we love God if we don't love our love our brother, that they, they are tied together. We can't have one without the other. They're going to flow into each other. Love for God will overflow into our love for our brother. And if we're not having love for our brothers and sisters, especially within a local congregation, we need to, to examine why. And that may come from a, a lack of true love for, for God, really understanding who he is and what he has done. And that love that we ought to have for him in return because of the love that he has shown to us. That when we lose focus of that, when we lose focus of God, his mercy, of the Lord Jesus, we begin to focus upon other things. And that's what happened here in Corinth is what it seems like. And they begin to divide. And Paul talks about how each one of them was saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Paulos, I'm of Cephas, and I'm of Christ. And there, there was these various factions that had broken into the church. And to put it another way, in examining some of the other points that Paul refutes throughout the book, we see that there was the old guard, you could say, that these were the people who were saying, we're not going to change anything. We're going to they were extremely conservative and strict. They were even going with some forms of asceticism, um, saying that it even it, it was best, we, we best serve Christ by not getting married and some of these things that they were holding to. And Paul's saying, no, no, that's not it. You also had some who were following the young charismatic leader. Uh, Apollos was a, a pretty young guy, seemingly, and he, we know from uh, places in Acts that he was um, very persuasive and people were, were drawn to him. And so you had these young charismatics. You had some who were going along, even along the free grace that, oh, yes, God forgives, so pretty much anything's acceptable. And so you had these factions that were going back and forth with each other, uh, isolating certain aspects and focusing upon them to an extreme. You also had some who were focusing uh, so much upon uh, the, the Jewish background. They may have been Jews themselves or have been uh, maybe uh, Gentiles who were looking up to the Jews, thinking that that was the true form of spirituality, was to follow the law and the legal restrictions and the dietary restrictions that were there. And that was also an abuse that happened, but a small faction. And then you even had the, the self-righteous group who were saying, oh, we don't follow any man, we follow Christ alone. And, and almost in, in a self-righteous way. It is true, we ought to say that we ought to follow Christ alone, not any man. Um, even the Apostle Paul, we're not to, to just, uh, just exalt him to the same level as we do Christ. Paul does call us to imitate him, his example, as he imitates Christ. Not just the fact that he was some superhuman uh, as an example just in and of himself, but as he followed Christ's example, we were to follow him and to imitate that, that imitation of Christ in, the, in that aspect. And so what, what I think had happened was the, the Corinthians, they had lost focus about the gospel, and they begin to have, instead of focusing upon Christ, what he has done in taking that gospel to the world, Instead of building each other up and, and growing 
with one another and encouraging one another to, uh, to love and good deeds, as it says in, in Hebrews 10. They begin to exert their energies to something else. And that was to, to try to protect their own little clique or what their own little way thought they thought was best. And they begin to fight with one another. And if our energies within a local, if our energies are so devoted to fighting against one another, we're not going to have any energy to serve Christ. Not going to have any strength or, or time or energy to take the gospel to the world, to be able to go out and to, to share with others. It, it, this is a, a dangerous place to, to be in, where we get so focused upon making church the way we want it to be, our our ideas of what church should be rather than letting Christ direct us, that Christ is the, the head of the church. As it speaks in, in the Ephesians and Colossians, both we see that imagery there where that Paul used, that the church is does not belong to us. Even the congregation that we attend and we're a part of, it's the church God has placed us in, but it's not our church. And so we have there comes a mutual submission to one another, realizing that as we submit to Christ, that we're not going to agree with every other person in our congregation about everything. But yet we are still called to unity. Which brings up uh, an interesting uh, point. As Paul speak, goes on, he says that he doesn't want them to have these factions, that he had been here to them through, through this group had come to him, these people that he had called Chloe's people. And he says that he wants them all to agree, that they may complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. He doesn't mean that they just blindly try to... Uh, be cookie cutters of each other what he's saying is there should still be a unity even in the differences and and some of this we can see through the words he says that we made it complete in the saint complete having the idea of being brought to completion not necessarily being um sinless but being being fully uh, furnished or equipped or, or being brought to a completed state um sometimes it's even talked about how being being made into uh, maturity is that idea of being made complete but in the same mind, in the same judgment. Mind has the idea, is the, the word mind there in the Greek, it means the part of us that is the rational intellect. Not the seat of the emotions, but a rational engagement. That we don't get so caught up and, and riled in defending our own idea or our own, our own little group. And we kind of check out of the rational thought uh, part of our mind. That we do engage with the mind. That we... Make sure that we are in agreement upon those things that are most impo most important. That we do agree upon the faith, and we see we focus on those things that we do have in common. And the judgment word has the idea of uh, what we ought to do. Uh, the counsel that is given, if it's given to someone else, or the decisions that we choose to go into. And so, what Paul was saying is, make sure you guys have an agreement about what binds you together. And then from that, as you're seeking the Lord, as you're using the spiritual gifts, as you're being led by the Holy Spirit, these are things he'll bring up later, but this he'll expound upon. As we do that, we, sh uh, we should agree upon the direction that we ought to go instead of splintering, kind of taking a shotgun approach and competing against each other. We ought to see how is God leading us together. That Later in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it would talk about how God has placed each of us in the, in the body as he has seen fit and that the spirit equips us as he has chosen that for a particular purpose and that is to glorify christ and to make sure and to share the gospel and to build each other up as we grow in christ and so it's important for us to remember that this this unity that we ought to have it doesn't mean that we become 
carbon copies of one another, but that we choose to focus upon those things that we we do have in common. Uh, I was actually listening to a podcast uh, earlier today t- t- um, by Mere Orthodoxy called Passages. Started that talking about the Nicene Creed and how that was kind of a summation of some of the core doctrines of the faith. And that's been turned into uh, several songs today as people use that. And uh, But there are, the idea is coming down to the most foundational and uh, important truths of Scripture that bind all believers together. And then as you get into smaller, smaller groups, there are going to be more things that we will agree upon in terms of practice. We had the same doctrine. Maybe how we apply that, some of the practice that we choose, it is going to be different. And so within a local congregation, there is should be more uniform, unity in terms of practice um, than there would be among the greater body of Christ. But even with the local congregation, we're not always going to be exactly the same. And so what Paul is encouraging the Corinthians and encouraging us to do is not let those differences divide us to become battlegrounds where we're fighting against each other and exalting ourselves, saying that we have the right way, everyone else is wrong. Now, in these areas that may be more gray areas in life, we are personally accountable directly to the Lord as He leads us. He may lead uh, one particular person to have a certain set of convictions in terms of practice, and someone else may have a slightly different set of convictions. That's okay, as long as we are each following the Spirit and, and, and following Him and clinging to one another in love and not letting those differences divide us. And this is the central a theme that Paul will develop over these next a few chapters is that the idea is that we most focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that we maintain that unity around him, not upon the fact that we belong to a certain denomination or that we have uh, similar backgrounds or any other thing, or we even like the, or even the fact that we have our select group of friends. The, the unity that we ought to have in the local church comes directly from the Lord Jesus Christ, the fact that we are called in the fellowship with Him. And that is the point that Paul is making here in this, this first part that we read. And uh, Lord willing, next week we'll get into more of the, the rest of that passage about what well, was Christ divided, Paul wasn't baptized, you weren't baptized in Paul's name, and, and all about that. But Paul's point about that, and just as it continues to flow of thought, is he saying, I didn't do anything to distract from the gospel. Since says that he didn't want to make the, the gospel void, that uh, the gospel we've made void. That the gospel is powerful. As the Holy Spirit uses it and illumines the eyes of individuals and brings them to salvation. It's not in our tactics, in our programs, or even our preaching or how we deliver it. It's in by the Holy Spirit. Our job is to be faithful and to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And keep him at the center. And that's what Paul, Paul is encouraging them to do. And he begins to show into his own example. And hopefully in the coming weeks we'll get into get into that. Um, this is a little bit of maybe a shorter episode uh, this week. Just wanted to continue on with some content. But we'll, we'll move on to the uh, book review. The And we'll continue on with that. So the book we'll look at this week is the second book in the Shepherd Suspense series. It is Cross Shadow by Andrew Huff. And I'll just say, this was my favorite book of, of the series. I mean, if you started maybe book one and you're like, I don't, I don't know, maybe this isn't my genre, I stick with it. Uh, it. It gets really good in book two. 
and I don't usually like staying up late. Uh, I usually like to get to bed pretty early, but man, I'm telling you, this book had me gripped, especially in the second half as the action begins to to develop even more uh, with John Cross and uh, Christine Lewis and uh, all these characters that you come to to know in book one as they develop even more and, and stumble upon something that they were not expecting. And just the, the car the car chases and the action and the the undercover secret agent type stuff that is going on with the book it was really gripping and again as with book one it was completely clean uh there's no foul language in it all or uh anything that would that that could be undesirable and it's a lot of more popular uh thrillers that are out there it's a it's a clean read um it's a good one it was i said it was as I said, it was fascinating. It has a lot of twists in it. I, and right there at the end, it threw me for a loop. Uh, it right there at the end, which uh, which I liked. You know, it's good to have those twists and turns where you don't see them coming and keep you on the edge of your seat. And it, it definitely did that for me. So yeah, I would encourage you to check out the Shepherd Suspense series. We've talked about book one last week, uh, Across the Kill. This week, Across Shadow. And uh, Lord willing, next week we'll can, we'll finish the series with book three. And then this final segment, I just wanted to real briefly give uh, a little bit of encouragement and uh, discussion a little bit following from the first segment that we had uh, when we we're looking through 1 Corinthians and the unity that ought to, have, ought to happen within the local church, the unity that ought to be there. There should also be a unity, just a mutual fellowship among all believers. And specifically, I wanted to speak about translations, about how we got the Bible and different translations has been a hobby and even a passion of mine for quite a while, ever since high school. The Lord really began to to give me a, a love for that, to studying the Word more and how we got that, how we got the Bible, and to be able to understand why why we have all these different translations, which are good ones to study. And quite honestly, the discussion about various translations of Scripture in, in English, the English translations, can be very divisive. It can be very inflammatory. And, um, and, and and divisive and, and angering to some people. Emotions can get involved, and it's it is important. There are a lot of important issues at stake, and we need to have convictions about this. But I just want to encourage us that as we consider about various translations, how we got the Bible, that we remember what is most important: that we're talking about the Word of God, and that we don't tear each other down trying to exalt our our uh, convictions that I may have a particular translation that I feel is the most accurate or the best use best one in English uh, someone else may have a different one and that's okay if we each are being led by the spirit and our convictions God has not um, given us a revelation from heaven about which English translation today is the best or only translation in English he hasn't he hasn't done that and hopefully in future podcasts we'll explore more about how God has said in, in scripture how he's preserved it and examine even from some history uh, how, how he has done that and examine some differences in, in translations. But I just want to encourage that this discussion can be a heated one, but I don't want to make it. I don't want to stir division up with anything I say about translations. I want to encourage us just to study the Word and to hold fast and not just accept anything just because it's called a Bible. Some translations are, are not very well suited for a deep study of the Word. And I... Um, I feel maybe some of their approach is not as uh, sober as it should be to to the issue, to the subject matter. But want to make sure that we keep the right attitude, that we are seeking to honor Christ 
and to hold fast his word and not tear each other down in the process. So again, just, just a short word, not a whole lot of content in this segment this week. Uh, Lord willing, in future, sec- in future weeks, we'll have um, more about this topic and other ones as well. But I just wanted to give that note uh, today. So uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. And until next time, read the word and take your stand. This has been Take Your Stand, the podcast of Here I Stand Ministries. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode. And if you enjoy what you heard here, we ask that you would leave us a good review on your favorite podcast platform. Tell others about the podcast and check out our website at hisministries.com. Scripture quotations have been from the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, copyright 1971-1995 by the Lachman Foundation, used by permission, all rights reserved.